You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let's talk now to a chief economist. And the chief economist in question is the chief economist of Investec in Johannesburg, and that's Annabel Bishop. I was thinking about you today, Annabel, and I was thinking about what's going on. We've had obviously what's been going on overseas for the last few weeks. Then we had the all the reserve banks around the world, including the South African Reserve Bank, doing what they've done. Uh, then we've had, um, what did we have? The lockdown announcement from President Cyril Ramaphosa last night. Then the South African Re- Reserve Bank's quarterly bulletin coming out uh, this morning. You must be inundated with work. Yeah, it's it's been unbelievably busy. I actually can't ever remember it being this hectic. Yes, and not good hectic either. I mean, exciting hectic in a sort of a way because things are happening. But on the other hand, uh, some tough times ahead and some tough times to endure right now as well. Well, that's exactly it. You know, obviously, this huge uncertainty that's still prevailing, despite obviously um, the, you know... Enhancements, I suppose, you alluded to both domestically and internationally. And of course, you know, that's obviously a worry because whatever forecasts you make, you can't make with huge certainty. No, you can't. You sent me something today and it said business cycle update. The lockdown announced last night should flatten the inflection rate or curve. I suppose I'm not being um, elitist here, but I suppose in the developed world, I would say yes, it might do. But in South Africa, because of the socioeconomic circumstances, maybe not as dramatic as it might be in somewhere like, I don't know, Britain, for example. Look, I think certainly, you know, we still are going to see a contraction in GDP in the second quarter of this year. And of course, you know, the contraction is likely to be quite sharp and quite severe. And, you know, while a lot of the measures that have been announced, obviously, are very positive, and obviously will be helpful. The reality is it's going to depend on the implementation of these measures. And South Africa has been fabulous in the past with producing plans after plans, really good, strong sounding plans. Sadly, we've fallen down as a country on implementation. So it's really going to depend, you know, how strong and hard we actually implement all these measures. Obviously, you know, there's huge political will from the president to do so. And of course, obviously, from the parties that obviously have come to join in in this fight against COVID-19 in South Africa, whether it's labor, whether it's business, whether obviously it's even other political parties, and of course, as well, other social entities. But the reality remains that South Africa has been very poor in the implementation in the past. And unless they allow the private sector heavily into, you know, affecting this implementation, it may well not prove to see as much stimulus as perhaps people may have believed it would on the first reading of this. Do you think that there is a sudden a surge of political cohesion because we're all in this together, as they say. Look, certainly to date it does seem like that. I mean, there are obviously comments coming out from some of the political parties disagreeing with the ANC. Not all of them, it's good to say. Certainly nothing from the extreme um, you know, left, the largest political party in the extreme left. But certainly, you know, nevertheless, um, it does appear as though everyone's pulling in the same direction. Of course, you know, lockdown hasn't started. It's only starting on the 26th of March, Thursday night at midnight. So obviously it'll be quite interesting to see how we go forward from there and to what degree it actually is adhered to. Yes, and it's only three weeks after all. And if you, uh, for example, where I'm at the moment, the sort of uh, lockdown light, as I call it, is in position until at least June the 1st, and it could go on from there. I would have thought that three weeks is only just uh, only just enough for people to get used to it. And I, I, I'm sure that it, it may be extended, Annabelle, with dire economic consequences. Look, I, I think certainly that is the case for South Africa. You know, we will see how the um, 21 days of shutdown works out, whether indeed we do see the curve flattening or not. Our curve hasn't started off um 
you know, yet into a geometric lift. It's, it's only just recently seen a bit of a, you know, a strong uptick. So I think the next three or four days will be absolutely crucial to see how well contained or not. The problem in South Africa is that healthcare services in total, you know, covering the entire population, um, as you will, of quite poor. And as a consequence of that, there's great concern about the stress and strain it would place on the healthcare system and its inadequacy to cope. And I think that's part of the reason why we have seen an immediately strong response to the environment. And I think, you know, from that perspective, the, the lockdown is quite appropriate. And of course, as well, the um, essential services can continue to operate. And, you know, that, that's quite important for South Africa. These obviously include healthcare security, that is the police and the military as well. And of course, also food production that are basic goods, even essential banking services, maintenance of power, water, telecommunications, laboratory, provision of medical and hygiene products. You know, so, so, the, so it looks like we have an extremely good plan. And of course, coming back to the earlier point, you know, if we adhere to it and implement it, it'll, it'll actually work out well for us. Well, let's hope so. But where does the money come from? That's what the obvious question is. Look, I think what's quite interesting is that we're going to see some reallocation, whether it's from the UIF um, and also, of course, into the um, budget itself, looking at reallocation from departments, removing money from arts and cultures and perhaps other areas, you know, where they can take it away to really provide support to the economy in this difficult period. But also quite interestingly as well, the Solidarity Fund has been created with high levels of governance and transparency, of course, you know, there's quite a long up about, you know, how they're going to avoid any type of corruption there. And to, for business organisations, and just private individuals domestically and abroad to collect money to contribute um, to combat the spread of the virus in South Africa. And of course, you know, there, there's already been some money put in by government. Um, they put in seed cap of 150 million um, rand and the Rupert and Oppenheimer families respectively have each put in one billion. So, you know, it does appear as if there are some, there are some, um, you know, strong uh, contributions coming through. Um, obviously, if it persists, then of course it's being chaired by um, Mr. Adrian Enthoven. And of course, you would anticipate that it does obviously attract monies, but it just depends how well these monies are spent. You know, we've got a long track record of not spending monies well, efficiently, not getting the you know the best out of the money that we possibly can, not not squeezing the value out of it, but rather just endless wastage and you know excessive consumption. So you know if, if that persists, then you know it's it's a bit of a worry in terms of whether these monies will actually have sufficiently the desired effect or not. We're coming off a low base, but in a country like the United States of America coming off a very very high base, and there's all sorts of talk about there being maybe anything between one and two and a half million job jobless claims being claimed this Thursday on the day that we go into lockdown. America may well go into unemployment lockdown as well. What what are your models telling you about South Africa? Because I did see a number from a fairly well-known international investment bank saying that South Africa's GDP for 2020 might be as low as minus 5%. What do you think? Look, I would say that's quite a severe down case. And we believe that could happen if we do not see sufficient implementation and success of the policies, economic policies and other policies in South Africa. Our view is probably less of a contraction. You know, we might be looking for about a 2% contraction this year, maybe three, between two, three and a half, I'd say. Um, you know, a lot will depend, of course, on the global recovery and our anticipation. And this is obviously where, you know, all the models could be wrong, is that the global economy does see a recovery towards the end of the second quarter and indeed leading into the third quarter. And as a consequence of that, if we start to see a global lift, I mean, remember, we've already seen um, operations begin in China at larger 
companies. The travel bans on Wuhan have been lifted and indeed China obviously now concerned about um, travelers bringing the COVID-19 into their country as opposed to, you know, out of it previously. So, you know, the, the, this this improvement in global economic growth will take off quite a lot of pressure on South Africa. So we're anticipating a recession in the um, second and third quarter, certainly. Sadly, we had one at the end of last year as well. Yes. So the big question is, you know, do we have one in the first quarter? If we do, we're in for five quarters of recession. If not, we're in for two recessions next to each other. Yeah, uh, I think we should expect that, don't you? I, d- I don't think there's any chance of any respite unless, unless of course, uh, you have anything different in your model. But So uh, the best case scenario is four out of five quarters in recession, would you say? Oh, definitely. Anything else that you want to add to this? Because you're obviously enamoured with what the president and his team put forward last night, but you're also cautious about the implementation of that uh, very well-made speech. Well, I think the most important objective of this lockdown is to minimise human suffering. And therefore, this includes flattening of the COVID-19 infection curve. And from that perspective, I think we probably will be fairly successful at implementing the shutdown. You know, we've already seen the military deployed in certain areas in South Africa. And obviously, they have also said as well that it's a national crisis. And indeed, um, even comments to the point that we're in wartime footing. So I don't think that there's going to be much tolerance for people people breaking curfews and travel bans at all. And I think, of course, as well, the president also said that he's very concerned about people... um, not just corruption and um, looting, you know, as a consequence of the, the, the really what they're calling a war effort to fight COVID-19, but also, of course, as well, just profiteering and, you know, people looking to sell goods and services at excessive prices to, you know, profiteer off other people's misery. All of that's really going to be well examined. And indeed, he actually said in his speech last night, people will be sent to jail. You know, if if, if 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 that is what happens, so I think from that perspective, they've really got the eye on the ball. But you know, the problem is, sadly, Surama Posta can't multiply himself, and you know, affect it all across South Africa. They're going to have to rely a huge amount on government and public services, and that, that that's really where the weak link comes comes in. You know, for those areas which have not actually seen improvement. You know, we've spent the last couple of years really trying to repair the ethical foundations of the state, and of course, the professionalism in the civil service and the efficiency and productivity just really improving their, their delivery. And of course, you know, the areas that have not seen improvement probably are not going to be well placed to deliver what may well be of hope to, of them. What do you think about, my final question, by the way, it's uh, related to the markets, the RAND and the bond market, the South African 10-year bond yield at one stage, yeah, in the last 24 hours, I think it was something like 13.30, 13.35, it's currently 12.59 on my screen, which is still a staggering, staggering increase in yield over the last uh, couple of months. Is the liquidity being provided by the Reserve Bank to normalise this situation in the bond market? And what do you think of the RAND currently in the 1750s? Look, I think certainly the liquidity measures implemented by the Reserve Bank announced on Friday last week were obviously highly, highly vital. And, you know, one could even argue perhaps should have come earlier, you know, several days earlier. The the innovation in the um, bonds, government bond yields in South Africa, has been reported as coming through from cash shortages for withdrawals from funds and margin calls. It really saw bond positions liquidated in order to, you know, financially... um, you know, make good these payments. So we've also seen huge outflows of um, foreign selling of South African government bonds and asset purchases, you know, well above 50 billion. And of course, that also as well has contributed to the severe weakening in the bond yields. I think, you know, the reality is where bond yields are at the moment is not um, pricing them correctly, despite the um, risk of environment. We don't believe that we're going to have a Moody's credit rating downgrade on Friday. We actually believe that Moody's will need to do a review 
of all the triple B minus countries on a peer review basis. And of course, as well, obviously, the countries that we mentioned, they all have had negative impacts to the um, credit rating metrics. And of course, Moody's themselves obviously said that they're also looking to give South Africa some more time to see if it implements the um, fiscal strategy that it had in the budget. Now, obviously, that's going to be difficult with the COVID-19 stresses. But of course, you know, that they, what they really said was they've only imposed a negative outlook last year in November. And, you know, maybe too soon to revise. But lastly, and possibly most important of all, you know, the credit rating agencies themselves don't want to be liable for actually precipitating a further turmoil in the financial markets, you know, further crises. And from that perspective, they may well decide to hold South Africa's credit rating unchanged. So I think, you know, from that perspective, you're probably finding that, you know, the the elevation that we've had in the liquidity, sorry, the elevation that we've had in the bond yields and obviously the stresses to our liquidity system is probably going to persist as long as the risk off persists. But we may well see the Reserve Bank come in with some more um, support because obviously you know still at very elevated yields annabelle thanks very much for your analysis that's annabelle bishop who's the chief economist at investec in johannesburg the views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of lindsay williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy position or opinion of any other agency organization employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.